This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hey, Chicago, listen up. This week's episode is brought to you by The Lincoln Loft. They got a new show that's run one week and they got one weekend left. We want to tell you about it real quick. Do not miss April 4th and April 5th, The Hamlet Project. It's a two-hour theatrical event celebrating Hamlet with great things like audience participation, tragedy, comedy, and most importantly, drinking games, everybody. that's It's a drink-along Hamlet. Freshly bleached skulls for the first hundred <laughs> or so people in the door. You're gonna get. They're gonna get them shut down. They're gonna get held to that, Chris. Uh, I was here for the bleached skull, and I'm clearly eighth in line. Uh, I, I, you get the voice. I think it's more like. I was here for the bleached skulls. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there were supposed to be bleached skulls here. Notice my erection. They don't have to be completely clean, but <laughs> I was told they'd be punching pie. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a great space uh, run by an old friend of ours, a couple old friends of ours. Uh, one person associated is a dear good, dear good, uh, dear what good. I call a dear good, uh, Justin J. Case, has been on this show a bunch. He's uh, our disaster movie expert. He's of our course. disaster movie expert. That's why he's not here. He's doing awesome stuff out there. A whole lot of awesome stuff going on at the Lincoln Loft, a great new Chicago venue, because that's that, that place needs more fucking comedy. <laughs> If there was one place that was an empty, barren, dry desert for comedy, it's the great city of Chicago. Uh, but for tickets, you can email hamletprojectchicago at gmail.com. Uh, April 4th, April 5th. They don't have a time on their website, but I'm going to take a gamble and say that it's uh, 8 p.m. We'll correct Ish. that. <laughs> 8 p.m.-ish. We'll correct it on social media if we're told otherwise. Hey, Chris, you want to promise anything else for him? What about a hundred bucks to the first two people? Anything? I mean, I was going to say a golden goose to the first person who gets tickets, but... You don't get anything for going. You get a great night out at a great theater in Chicago. Perhaps some magic beans. There there might be some Chris Cabin (laughs) off-brand magic beans. We'll see what we can send out to them. April 4th. It's a Friday. April 5th. That would be a Saturday. The Hamlet Project, possibly 8 p.m. If you want more information, visit the good folks at thelincolnloft.com. Hello, I'm Andrew Jupin. Steven Sadak. Chris Cabin. And we hate North so bad. everyone welcome to we hate movies thank you for tuning in as always if you're new to the program uh you may have read a lot of uh, critiques about vitriol that comes spitting out of our mouths every now and again uh well this is 1994's north directed by rob reiner and we might get a little bit of that today this ruffled roger ebert's feathers you think we're gonna fucking just sit on our hands on this one that is to this date and you know i say what you want about andrew saris and his writing on the auteur theory chris cabin Roger Ebert's review of North is the greatest piece of film writing ever created by humankind. I mean, there's, I mean, there's, there's no limit on the word hate in that review. 
No. He's just like, usually they'd be like, you know what, you're repeating, you know, his editor would be like, oh, you're repeating here a little bit. <laughs> Roger. <And I'm- laughs> but it's just, hate is all, it's it's hate speech. And I love it. It inspired his line of books, I hate, hate, hate this movie, or whatever those those volumes now were. Now imagining some, like, assistant editor for the Chicago Tribune, like, oh my god, and he has to, like, run up, like, ten flights of stairs, like, I don't know if Mr. Ebert was drunk or what, but there's a bunch of repeated <laughs> words in this. There's just, like, a loose jazz score in the back while he's <laughs> yeah, doing it. Yeah. He's just got a big, it's like the fucking Hudsucker proxy, he's just got a big galley proof... <laughs> So this was a very famous movie for being very terrible. Uh, And I am proud to say that I dodged this movie for 30 years, everybody. The other night was the first time I ever saw it. I knew what it was. I knew the the court of public opinions ruling on this (laughs) film and just kind of said, thanks, but no thanks. I was, uh, me too. I I never saw it until uh, just last night. And it kind of goes with my... My philosophy as a kid and as an adult is I fucking hate kids. I hated kids then, <laughs> yeah. and I hate kids now. I, d- I just don't have time for kid power. I never – even in the back, I was like, dudes, just give it five more years. It's going to be fine. Like, let's not march in the street for, streets for this stuff. I mean, it's I, – I know – okay, so I'm saying Elijah Wood right now. Yeah, and sure. But after I saw this movie – I mean, I had seen it when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I had the VHS because my – Dad schemed it off Columbia House. That's uh, pretty great. But after seeing this and like remembering how bad it was, I've always referred to Elijah Wood in conversation as Your Majesty. <laughs> because he's just the most sniveling piece of shit I've ever seen. In it. Like, just fucking die, kid. Well, now, <laughs> and Steve, I agree with you, the whole like kid power thing and whatnot, because as, you know, listeners of this show can, can, recollect uh i despise precocious children behavior yep right it's the worst thing ever and the i guess quote villain of this movie is the single most precocious child actor he has more precociousness in his little finger than the entire cast of that fucking penny marshall little rascals movie <laughs> i mean he's a kids rights act- advocate which is the dumbest like that's like president of nickelodeon bullshit like because to, to i mean because this is going to be all over the flipping place talking yeah. about this movie the conceit of the film is elijah wood as north you know he, he has a bad night a couple of weeks with his parents things aren't going so hot for them and he makes the the uh, macaulay culkin-esque decision to divorce his parents and he he then goes around sampling other uh you know prospective parents free agency yes child free agency (laughs) which sounds really bad by the way (laughs) yeah it's you know what after his child free agency i want him to desperately go into child slavery (laughs) just never seen again making shitty t-shirts in india (laughs) the place like the places in thailand that you really don't even read like the exposés about yeah. Like the ones that they nobody knows about. Mm-hmm. That's where I want him. And it's just one of those things where like this movie's 90-ish minutes long and all of it is just like one thing after another about like aren't adults terrible? Aren't adults this? Aren't adults that? And it's like, you know what, you little fuck? Like, <laughs> like yeah, these parents of yours had like a couple bad days at work and, you know, maybe they're a little, you know, self-serving and whatever. But you have an 
awesome house that you live yep. in. Yep. Uh, this is a sick fucking house this kid's living in. He's got, you see his bedroom, like the opening, you know, is like all the little shit bedroom, all his toys all over the place and everything. And you're like, wow, this kid's really got it great. How could he possibly want to divorce these people? <sighs> They're responsible for you being, like, as it turns out, he's this great kid. He's this genius. He's a great performer. He fucking can do Fiddler on the Roof. Hooray! Oh, and... Then, and- <laughs> You have to sit there and watch him performing as Tevia, and I just want to blow my brains out. Because it's kind of, and this is a little weird, but it's kind of, I see a little bit of Royal Tenenbaums in this movie because he's supposed to be like this wunderkind, yeah. right? Because, yeah, he's good. He, you know, he's doing all the great science experiments, and he, he's also a master on the stage. He's right. He's working on a novella. No, but I was going to mention uh, Wes Anderson eventually in this podcast because, you know, uh, Grand Budapest came out, and it gets the same. He get Wes Anderson gets the same bad review every time, and it's just like, who could like this shit? And I get it. But the thing is, that's a movie. His, all, his entire catalog is very much like North. It takes place in a kind of fantasy, elevated reality. Everyone who's speaking is speaking from the writer's mouth, not yeah. necessarily yeah. from the character's mouth. And that's what this movie is doing terribly. And it's just... And there's no visual justification for it. No, exactly. Because it's just fucking, who gives a shit? Half of this... His magical place that he goes to is a goddamn Raymore and Flanagan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're a kid and your secret spot is a furniture, like, warehouse floor or whatever, like the show floor, stop. Get the fuck out of here, kid. Go to He passes while he's running to the mall because that's where you always go to feel safe and warm and, you know, happy. He Nothing passes- ever bad happened to a kid at a mall, Chris. Never once. Not once. I watched T2. Wait a minute. <laughs> that, yep, that, no, that, that, that doesn't check out. Chopping Mall. Nope, that doesn't check out. Night of the Cop. Nope, that didn't check. Yeah, bad shit happens at the mall. Everybody. Constantly. <laughs> There's all just, sorts of people. You're just getting taken. I'm sorry. I mean, crowded Mall, you get taken. You just, some kid decides to pass out on a, on a couch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's my kid. Are you sure, sir? Yeah, he's asleep. Don't wake him up. He's been having trouble sleeping. You pass out on a couch, you wake up in a van. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's happening. He fucking passes a treehouse. Like, these are the fantastical elements that you can utilize is, like, the a place where you are supposed to go and dream. Not a fucking on a recliner. And and the thing then is, like, oh, well, they're clearly making a joke about whatever. It's like, no, they're not. There's no jokes in this. No. That's what's astounding. This This movie is written by a guy who has a long history of writing comedy. He wrote a lot on uh, not the Larry Sanders show, but like the show that Larry Sanders had before the Larry Sanders the show. Ga- the Gary Shandling show? Or I'm, I'm sorry. Now I think I'm, it was like another show uh-huh. that he had before all of that. Dream on? No, he, uh, Gary Shandling. I mean, he, he worked on SNL. He worked on SNL a lot. He was like very close with Gilda Radner. He worked on Seinfeld quite a bit. Which kind of explains some of the casting in this movie, maybe. But it's just like, at what point were you like, I'm a comedy writer that's going to write a movie with negative 18,000 jokes in it? Well, and, and speaking of SNL, a dark note about this, this, and I read it in the trivia, and I had no idea, and I had to go back and watch it again to see this. This is, I think, the only movie where Bryn Hartman... Yeah, Bryn Hartman is in this movie. For just a minute, and then you're just like... Uh. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just I think she just plays one of like the cavalcade of parents or something, or wait, one of those because because all the adults, by the way, are not characters in this movie at all, except for John Lovitz. Poor John Lovitz. I mean, there are characters, but they're all walk-ons. It's like a bad improv show where everybody comes out in their favorite fucking character, like swinging for the fences with a bad accent, and you're just like. Please end this scene. Please go away. Please stop. <laughs> Please stop, stop whatever you're doing. Oh, right now. Just put it down. So North is this kid who is like the you know as we said the greatest kid in the world. His parents are uh, Jason Alexander and Julia Louis Dreyfus. Jason Alexander in the worst rug I've seen in in a while. It's and, bad. And I you know I just want to get this out there because I said it before we went on the air. But if you're gonna give a bald actor a rug. Why is it a rug of a guy with terribly thinning hair? Make him have shitty hair or he's bald. And is that a, I always wonder when actors have to wear wigs is the is the director like, "Hey Jason, uh just sit down. It's 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 not me, it's the studio. You know, I think you're great. I think you're a great-looking guy. I just got this box here and he's just had it in his lap the whole time and he's like, "What's in the box?" Yeah, fine, fine, yeah, fine. I, I know what's in that box, Rob Reiner. Just <laughs> give it to me while you continue to sit behind the camera being bald as fuck. I know what that box is. It's virility, isn't it? <laughs> On-screen virility. Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, it's not like it makes any difference in this movie. No. Like, he could be bald. He could have hair. He's still nothing. He's not doing anything in this movie. Neither it, of them are. Not, he's not a character. He's certainly not a character. No. I mean, he's just fucking yelling. He's doing like, I mean, we'll get into it, but the gags involving him are probably the worst in the movie, and that's saying something. Well, I mean, let's let's start with where we kind of start at the beginning, which is like, you know, it's it's Bruce Willis narrating this movie, by the way, and he's he's telling us in the laziest tone of voice he possibly can that you know North's this great kid, but he's got a problem. His parents are always yelling, and then it's just. Julia Louis-Dreyfus and and Jason Alexander just yelling at each other, yelling over each other. They're not arguing. They're just, like, kvetching loudly at, like, top volume. And you're just sitting there listening to this cacophony. And then it's Elijah Wood, like, feigning a heart attack or having an actual fucking heart attack. Like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to believe in this Fucking call House MD. Shit's going down. (laughs) Hey, Andrew, you know what I don't want to see? What's that, Steve? Uh, Morgan Freeman attacked German terrorists. You know what I don't want to hear? Bruce Willis narrating anything. <laughs> there are people with skills, and they, they not everyone could do everything. Just, just, just split it up. Yeah, split it up yeah. nice and even. <laughs> there are people with good voices that could do th- Bruce he's just got a nasal, it's kind of nasalish in this one. It's just- he does have a nasally voice to begin with, but it's worse than that because you can almost hear the size of disinterest <laughs> through the words that he's speaking. Like, North was just a great kid and had to go to a special place. And where would the special place be? Well, at the mall, you stupid prick. <laughs> you're just like, well, you're really, really gearing me up for a great time at the movies. I don't know. You, you want? You really want to hear? All right, fine. He's North. He's a kid. He's really good at stuff. Oh, my God. Re- I, how long is this? 300 pages. <laughs> my God. Demi, cancel lunch. You got a performance in uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, the, oh, wait. Chinese here. <laughs> no, three dollars at the tip. <laughs> no, that's good. No, uh, yeah, Xuan. Okay, great. Yeah, there's a lot of outtakes of him in the studio fucking haggling over Chinese tipping. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Ah, and I mean, yeah, that's the problem with this movie is once we get into what this movie is, it's just like him literally on a tour of the same thing, which is he meets the prospective parents, they seem okay at the outset, and then they turn out to be horrible. And then he just goes on to the next thing. Well, this is based on a kid's book, and it makes sense. Is at, it really? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, oh. By the screenwriter. Ah. Oh. Which is a problem, which is why this awful narration exists. It's because clearly this guy really loved this children's book and didn't want to make it into a movie. He's like, no, no, no. The structure's all there. And it just, it reads like a bad kid's book. And I'm sure it's like, when you're reading, when you're reading a book, you, you know, this, you give it a lot of leeway, you know what I mean? Like with dialogue and stuff, but like, when people have to put on fucking pants and do this stuff, it's oh em- yeah, it's embarrassing. You know, it's not. <laughs> it's really bad stuff. Like I'm sure. I'm I'm so sure that on paper, this hilarious narrator character comes into the book, and it's just gut bustingly hysterical that he's dressed up like the Easter Bunny. Sure, it's just hilarious. But put that onto celluloid, and here comes Bruce Willis in a ratty, disgusting, pink Easter Bunny suit, and I'm checking my watch the entire time. Because so is Bruce Willis! Also, Easter Bunnies, they have the fucking head on. Yeah. That's a big thing with Easter Bunnies. You don't see the fucking face, because it's not a bunny then. Yeah, you just see this scumbag Jersey guy. (laughs) Fucking man bear pig. It's just... (laughs) Just eat this carrot. Let's uh, let's not go to that furry. Let's actually go to the Easter Bunny that's right over there. That guy's gonna touch you. Yeah, he's the dude. He's the dog sucking that old guy's dick in the Shining movie. Like that's <laughs> that's the suit that Bruce Willis is wearing in this movie. Just talking to children at the mall. Well, that's exactly. It's a crowded mall. This sleepy kids just <laughs> nodded off on a couch, and Bruce Willis sits next to him like, "Hey, got sounds like you got a lot of problems. Hate your parents, huh?" Go on. <laughs> now eat this carrot. <laughs> now eat this carrot. Oh, no. And he has some bullshit line about, like, how he's, like, independently wealthy mm-hmm. and just does this, like, to entertain himself or something. And it's like, oh, man, we get into that thing of the hyper-rich do real, sh- like, weird shit. Like, fuck kids, you know, like on True Detective. Or we're fucking hunting people for sport, like Hard Target. Like, the, the uber-wealthy have some fucked-up hobbies. Or they're furries, like Bruce <laughs> yeah. Willis. Yes! Oh, man, if this movie was ended with Elijah Wood and Carcosa, sign me the fuck up. <laughs> One thousand times, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And big, fat leather faces coming after him. <laughs> That's what I want. That's exactly what I want. So we cut to the school, and like North is so stressed out about how his parents are treating him terribly that he, you know, he turns in a bad science project for the science fair. You know, he's not doing well, and blah blah blah, and blah blah blah, and his fucking libido's down, and whatever. Because that's the other thing, by the way. This is a movie where because there's no adult characters, and it's a movie about like kid power. We want kids to be people. The kids all carry with them traits of being adults. Yeah. So yeah. he's like, you know, like he comes in and. He's talking to his friend who works for the school paper, and this kid is like, he's acting like he's fucking Woodward and Bernstein. His name is fucking Winchell! What does that mean? It's a famous... Walter Winchell. Walter Winchell. Who's that? Journalist. Oh. Well, (laughs) I guess the movie North is smarter than I am. (laughs) Just ran circles around your intellect. I never heard of the guy. But the point stands that he's like, oh, I'm on a deadline. I've got sources. I got a finger in every pie. Yeah, he's he's wearing a tie. He's got those. He's wearing like those arm braces you'll get. 
Oh, like a barbershop quartet? Yeah, whatever <laughs> those things are. I think there's a visor going on. There's, there's a visor going on. There's definitely on. a visor. And the problem is this kid is the worst parts of Sponge from Salute Your Shorts <laughs> and whatever that nerdy kid was from the first season of Boy Meets World, who might be the same actor. Minkus. Minkus. I yes. think it's Minkus because yeah. w- w- I was watching it and my wife was like, you think uh, this kid lost out to the dude who played Minkus? This kid lost out to a lot of people. It's Also, he's kind of got uh, Alfalfa's foil and Little Rascals. Alfalfa's foil. The rich kid who's trying to get. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah he does. Yeah, the little blonde kid in yep. that. And that kid, and that sucks because that kid in that movie is like an F grade Macaulay Culkin. So think about how shitty this kid in North is. <laughs> He's, I mean, and it's just, you know, like Elijah Wood, to his credit, and I, I know that. I hate the character of North, but I think he was a good kid actor. In The Good Son, he's good. Yeah. Actually, in this, he's holding his own. Like, it's a bad, it's a bad script. What he's asking to, to, to do, what this character wants, is all rotten, but he's doing fine. I mean, he's trying to swim while carrying a sandbag, so <laughs> <laughs> it is a little difficult for an eight-year-old to do. Now, this kid is just like, feed him the line. He's going to say it. We'll cut. Feed him the next line. Like, yep. Everything is just at this awkward clip, and I just want to slap the glasses off his face. And what sucks, though, about that whole thing is these are long lines, and they're really wordy. So the whole time I'm thinking, on set that day, like Rob Reiner, God bless his big (laughs) heart, man, because he had to be sitting there just saying, cut after cut after cut while this little dweeb presumably... (laughs) Just, just beefed these lines over and over and over again. But you're right; it is that stilted, like I'm doing this because I'm an actor, and boy, don't you love being a reporter? Cut. Another thing about my sources is you just want to put them down, one between the eyes. See you later, kid. I'm trying to look up because it's killing me. I want to see if this uh, the Boy Meets World character's name was Pinkus. No, Minkus. I think it is Minkus. Oh God, I need it to be Minkus. I can't. I can't find it. Well, cause it was yeah, Minkus, out. Stuart Minkus. There we go. Crisis averted. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to go back and redo the last ten minutes. <laughs> so, I mean, but one thing we're missing that's really important because it's really obvious. This movie's got a bit of a Usual Suspects thing going on, <sighs> slash yeah. a Wizard of Oz thing. The credits take four. Ever. Oh, so, yeah. And it's all inside of North's palace, which he wants to escape. <laughs> and it's his room, and it's got a train set that's going through all these different towns and all these things. And it's like very specifically, you know, Hawaii, Alaska, yeah. Bedford, New York, et cetera, et cetera. And then when he sits down with Bruce Willis in the creepy, uh, in the creepy furniture store before Bruce Willis asks him to accompany him to the bathroom, <laughs> he's just... <laughs> Hey, uh, you gotta go to the bathroom? I do too. Let's, let's go together. No, uh, as he's nodding hey, off. Hey, come on. I hope you find it. I'm supposed to, you know, I'm supposed to be holding your hand. You know, kids are supposed to have their hands held. Make it in look real, spaces. kid. You gotta make it look real. I don't know what voice I'm doing, but it's, pre- you know what the voice I was doing? It was Bruce Willis pretending to be someone else because he doesn't want to be verbally identified in a lineup. That's what I'm smart. doing. Smart. Yeah. He's smart. Really? Though, first of all. Do he it, doesn't I'm touch. Do, yeah, but I'm doing layers into that impression is what I'm saying. You know that uh, Bruce Willis could just punch your throat and you'd be dead, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, absolutely. That's a quick drop. Oh, he'd kill me. <laughs> but I think if he were to hear this, he'd be like, 
are they talking about Die Hard? And they'd be like, no, Bruce, they're not talking about Die Hard. Oh, okay. They talking about Moonlighting? No, Bruce, they're not talking about Moonlighting. Oh, are they talking about Death Becomes Her? No, Bruce, they're not talking about Death Becomes Her. Are they talking about North? Yeah, they're talking about North. Oh, oh, that's fine. Yeah, you got me, guys. You got me. Yeah, that bought me my summer house. That's fine. Yeah, that is dog shit. So he's nodding off with this big stranger staring at him. <laughs> This John Wayne dressed as a fucking <laughs> yeah. rabbit, giving him life lessons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyone who starts chatting up a kid not accompanied by an adult, and especially, guess what, manager of this Raymore and Flanagan, <laughs> this is happening on your property. You got to be like, hey, what's that unlike? What's that motley crew doing on my couch? No, you know what? It goes. It's a little bit deeper than that, Steve, because you don't even have to care. That dude could be trying to fuck that kid, but you, as the manager of this Raymore and Flanagan's, you find a couple of freeloaders sitting on your designer furniture. Yeah, get the fuck out. Go molest that kid at the food court like everybody else. Take it to the bathroom. <laughs> Do that shit on my brand new furniture. How am I supposed to sell this fucking Barca lounge? You ever heard of the dark corners of the arcade? <laughs> just go there. Exactly. So he's just really sleepy. And like... <laughs> <laughs> Rob Ryder puts this weird, like, kaleidoscopic filter on it, and it stops the movie dead to the point of, obviously, I now know I'm in a dream. For the rest of the movie, the rest of the, this 90 minutes, the, when he goes to Pincus and Minkus and Winchell and Burrow and whoever the fuck else this ugly kid happens to be, <laughs> he's he's there, and you know it's a dream. And, you know, he's like, oh, you know, uh, I think Winchell puts the idea in his head, he's like, yeah, you could divorce your parents. It's a yeah. new thing. And it's like, you could be a free agent. And they're, they go through this thing. And there's a lot of like running gags where one of which is everyone in the town, and this is before it becomes a dream. Everyone in the town knows that North is the greatest kid in the world and everyone would love to have North be. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then it's this montage of like, you know, North doesn't wet the bed. Uh, you know, North always rakes the leaves in the yard. You know, North doesn't listen to heavy metal music. <laughs> And I mean, like, fuck it, there must be a confidence shortage in the town of Northsville, or wherever the fuck this is. Oh, he's the mayor of Northsville, probably. And how are you not, the next day, smacking Elijah K- Wood's, Wood's face when you come to school? Where are the bullies? Where, where, where are the bullies? <laughs> They're right in this room, that's where they are now, but where were the bullies then? He should have been getting his ass kicked in every scene. Mm-hmm. In every scene. And it would be the thing where, like, the nerds team up with the bullies, you mm-hmm. know, and then, like... The girls get involved, and everybody, even like the foreign exchange students, everybody. are getting in on it. Like you are making us look like fucking garbage, North, and you have to stop it. So we are gonna kill you. Yeah, we, as a child of just average kids, yep. are gonna band together and kill you because you're making the rest of us look so bad. And by the way, okay, I understand that. Uh, like, of course, I'm against when uh, parents like idolize their children and make them. You know, into these objects that they're, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is our work. We did this. Oh, yeah. It's the old Carlin line. Like, you know, not every kid, you know, not every kid is special. Yeah. Yeah. However, (laughs) they are responsible for everything he is. They are. They've given him everything. Yep. Mm -hmm. The reason he is the way he is and great and all this shit is because of Jason Alexander and Julie Louis Dreyfus. How they demonize these two people because they had a bad day at fucking work. (laughs) I know. I, that's why up. it's crazy. Ebert says something in his review about, like, from minute one, like, his skin was crawling. It's because as an adult, you watch this movie and you're like, oh, God. 
Like yeah. that's what this movie's saying. Oh God. Oh and, oh God. And you do know you know what a movie is. You know what a children's book is. He's gonna learn a lesson. It's gonna take him a long time, but he's gonna learn a lesson. But from the premise is just flawed though, because he's it's, he's not living in a one room bedroom shack with a single mother who's just trying her best or or just like, you know, drunk and passed out putting cigarettes out on this kid's arm. It's not this boy's life. No, it's okay. not. Oh man, Robert De Niro. <laughs> Dude, he is putting kids through walls in that movie. Oh yeah, he is. <laughs> and he's like just full it's like it's like Brian Denny he fighting I don't even know what. He's putting bruises on Leonardo DiCaprio in that movie. It's just it's like it's like Star Trek fighting. You know what I mean? Like he's giving that kid a Kirk Hammer punch and you're like Dude, anytime you want to step in here, Elaine Bark, uh, Ellen Barkin, yeah, please do. Yeah, but that's not what this is. No. North has a killer life. You know what I kept thinking about? It's like that episode of The Simpsons where Bart goes to live with Mr. Burns. Yeah, and Millhouse yeah. is looking at his room, and he's like, "Wow, you got a real train set." And he says something like, "How long it takes to come back?" And he's like, "Where does it go?" And he's like, "I don't know." But one time it came back, and there was snow on it. Yeah. That's the kind of setup this kid has. It's fucking sick. And because The Simpsons is absurd, and it knows how <laughs> absurd the idea is. Yes. This movie is so straight-faced, you want to punch it in the face. So, North takes Pincus's word, or Minkus's word. I, now I've cursed us forever. It's not even Minkus. It's another little shitty Winchell. Winchell. Winchell, thank you. Winchell says, you know what? Divorce him. Sue him. Kid, go into free agency. He talks like an adult, so I'm going to talk like a jerk. <laughs> like this little idiot does. So, you know, Elijah Wood's like, that sounds like a fantastic idea, Winchell. I'll do that. He hires an attorney that is recommended to him by this other child. Enter John Lovitz into the motion picture. And the way these credits work out, by the way, uh, it's Elijah Wood first. John Lovitz second and the rest of the cast alphabetically because John Lovitz had something to prove in this movie. And I don't know what it was. <laughs> I think I, he was trying to convince us he has a heart. He doesn't have a scene with anyone his own age except for this courtroom scene we're coming up on. And that lasts 10 seconds. Yeah. He's like, I'm better than all these kids and I know it. You're just like, I get it, John Lovitz. You're acting circles around children. And I mean, the rest of the movie, he's playing a fucking Terminator 2 video game. Yeah, he's just in an arcade, barely paying attention to this kid. Like, you could, I could imagine John Lovitz on set. Is he gonna get it right this time, Rob? Like, I don't know, John. Just sit there. Just, just relax, John. You know, if I turn the volume down, I can play this Terminator game with my back to the camera. <laughs> you know, Rob, I can be funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you want me to be funny, Rob? <laughs> Turn it to a bit, uh, Anthony Hopkins sounds <laughs> like there for a bit. Apologize for that. But so then we get to this courtroom scene. Oh, and by the way, before this, there's some gag where like it's revealed because the the reporters show up at the house and they're like, "Oh, hey, Mister and Mrs. North," or I think because they're just like North's parents yeah, is what they're yeah. called. No, no adult has a name in this movie really. So it's like, "Oh, hey, North's parents, what do you think about this North divorcing you?" And they freeze and faint, cut to the courtroom, and the gag is they're just catatonic. So here are two great comedic actors in Jason Alexander and Julia Louis-Dreyfus pretending to be pieces of furniture for the rest of the movie. I have never seen, including Seinfeld, 
something that Julia Louis Dreyfus wasn't elevating, wasn't actually yeah. better than the material. She's she's kind of better than Seinfeld. It, it's weird. She's that good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she does the same thing in Christmas Vacation. That should be a nothing part mm-hmm. to a nothing actress, and she has one of the most quoted fucking things about the stereo yeah. Yeah. from yeah. that movie. Like, she, yeah. So you're right. She's got that track record. She she does that in everything she does. But literally, when you're like, hey, Julia Louis Dreyfus, you're not allowed to talk in this movie. You're not allowed to move in this movie. Make Make a funny face and fucking freeze it. Yeah, just That's remember it. which one it was because uh, we couldn't <laughs> pay anyone to do continuity on this. Reba, uh, Reba McIntyre, who will come up in a minute, has yeah. more lines than her. She and sure I don't does. think she's been on screen before this. <laughs> I don't know when that television show she It had. was after this. It was after yeah, that yeah. ran for a thousand and four years. Couldn't get enough Reba, could you, people who watch AMC Family Thanks for nothing? Good fucking God. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, my 20s, while being a lot of fun, a lot of the time, were pretty rough. I wasn't exactly rolling in dough. I lived at home until I was about 25, and for most of it, I didn't have this show or you lovely people in my life. I just kind of drifted around without direction and didn't know where to voice that. Then I started to get my crap together one piece at a time, and the last piece, which didn't come until my early 30s, was therapy. And man, I wish it came along sooner. Ever since I started sitting down with a licensed therapist, I've had a place to voice my insecurities and try to fashion plans to help me achieve my goals. So that's why I'm thrilled we're sponsored by BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be flexible, convenient, and suited to meet your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and the good thing is you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash WHM today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash WHM. This episode's brought to you in part by Rocket Money, and they have this question for you. They handed to me just now. Mr. Rocket just handed me this. Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? Most Americans think they pay around $80 a month on subscription services, but the actual total is closer to $200. If you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month, you need Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. And with Rocket Money, you can lower those bills without resorting to having bean dinners every day of the week. You know, you have those bean dinners to try to save some few bucks. But if you were monitoring your spending with Rocket Money, you didn't necessarily need to eat every bean dinner. So find out what all the fuss is about. You know, over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, like the Stars app. Don't get me started. You don't have to go through all the back end of the website anymore. You don't have to call customer service. Rocket Money helps you manage all your finances in one place as well and categorizes everything. It's easy to keep track of a whole budget. Even I can do it and I got rocks in my head. So find out what 3 million people have already done. They've taken the rocket, folks. Stop throwing the money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash WHM. That is rocketmoney.com slash WHM. Once more, rocketmoney.com slash WHM, which stands for We Hate Movies. So we're in this courtroom, and here is Alan Arkin. 
okay, doing his worst Groucho Marx. And I just I I'm I'm fresh on some Marx because I did a, a a talk on duck soup a couple days ago, and I'm like watching it. I'm like, what is he? What is that? Oh God, it's a Groucho Marx impression is what you're doing. And you know who's not good at doing Groucho Mar- Marx impressions? Everybody. <laughs> Every single person. It's and, true. And just, that's this character, and he's got this wacky hairdo, which I don't need to see that man with hair ever. Exactly. Like, what is Rob Reiner's fucking problem? Like, <laughs> let these people be bald. You're bald. I know it's a problem for you, meathead. But just, you know, let, let it be. I mean, if you were Rob Reiner, man, and in the meathead years, uh-huh. he had some glorious Lord Fauntleroy-looking hair, okay? Uh, yeah. And then to just be Rob Bald Reiner now, you know, it's got to fucking really burn your ass. Mm. So I think maybe that's what it was. But like, there's no explanation for putting fucking Christopher Lloyd and Back to the Future's hair on <laughs> Alan Alda's head. There's no reason for it. Arkin. Arkin. There, there are some people who refused to be in this movie. Not <laughs> much of Hollywood, but some. And Alan Alda was one that said, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> The terrible Alan Alda impression. I got a Woody Allen movie to do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Excuse me, So they have this this fucking horse shit courtroom thing. And he's like, you know what? I agree with North. You should get divorced. And like, that's the end of it. And you're like, all right. So there's no case. Okay. Okay. Because we're in this fantasy and it kind of doesn't benefit anyone because there's no reality (laughs) and there's also no jokes. So thanks for nothing. And you know, the other thing about Wes Anderson is that under all the fancy stuff, there are, it's, there's like pain and there's, there's like, there's genuine emotions underneath. There is fucking nothing. Below this movie. Oh, yeah. You peek behind the curtain of this movie, and you're just looking back at yourself. Because there's a window there. It's just your reflection. Well, actually, I I heard the original cut of this movie was actually two hours because... Uh, Rob Reiner had this interesting idea that in every scene, every character would keep winking at the camera after every line of dialogue, <laughs> but it didn't really play in the test audiences. They had to cut that out. Yeah, yeah. I I think if you look on eBay though, there's some VHS of the work print. It's called the wink cut. <laughs> you can find it out there. And unlike some rare work prints, this one comes real cheap. <laughs> so they get divorced, and, and this th- yeah. But Arkin has this thing. It's like, all right, here comes some here. And he's like, you heard my judgment, but not the rule. And it's like, and it's oh, just man. here oh. comes your clock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this movie needs an engine. I'm gonna give it an engine already. So he, it, the idea is, North has exactly the summer because it's a kids movie yeah. to find out, <laughs> uh, to find his his new pa- to be in in the arms, which is kind of weird. Again, yep. in the arms of his new parents or his old parents, or he goes to the orphanage, and then the the foster kids that are watching this movie at home to just think that they're normal and having a good life like oh yeah that's right we're garbage thanks rob reiner we're garbage you're right we are totally worthless you guys hey everybody sit down (laughs) no one's getting adopted we should all be gas guess what this is a punishment this is what uh (laughs) kids dread being us and i mean like i understand you'd be angry and there would have to be a few long talks but if the kid did end up in the orphanage, wouldn't the parents just go and get the kid from the fucking orphanage the yeah. next day? No, because I made a ruling and it has to stand. <laughs> yeah, and if, if, again, like he, the next day he gets fan letters from all sorts of creeps that want a <laughs> new that want the, they saw this cute kid on television and can't wait to get him in their house. And John Lovitz comes in with this sack of letters, and he's like, "Oh, you're just getting all this." Correspondence, kid. And I'm like, John Lovitz, how is this 
benefiting you whatsoever. Where's the money coming from? How do you make money out of this? And our little idiot reporter kid is like, uh, you know, oh, he's done some pro bono work for me. It's like when I don't even want to know what you needed, John Lovett. Maybe for. he's becoming like a spokesperson for Juicy Juice. <laughs> I mean, I think that's where John Lovett is seeing dollar signs and yeah. all the developmental deals. But yeah, he's just like, oh, there's so many options, kids. So all these people are literally mailing plane tickets like, come see us, North. Come see and us, And no one's North. doing background checks. Where's the FBI? <laughs> Where Where's is- the bullies? Where's the FBI? <laughs> to track down all these people who want this little kid to come and fucking spend a couple days with them. Oh, yeah. No, it makes... There's no vetting whatsoever. And if you are trusting John Lovitz to be doing the mm-hmm. vetting, by the way, he's going to be doing a bad job. Because mm-hmm. it's just the nature of this character. He's an idiot. He, we see him literally chasing an ambulance when he's, he first appears. <sighs> it's cute. And you know what? Kids love ambulance chasing jokes. You know what they get? Ambulance chasing jokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes a lot of sense. I got that one. And then one proud orphan goes, you know what? No, fuck this movie. (laughs) We're not. Our lives aren't a punishment. North's punishment. And then they break the tube television in the orphanage. There's also a gag where there's a North selection hotline. And it's it's cut to uh, like like a uh, like an old timey, like 60s office building operator room. It's like where Angelina Jolie works in the changeling. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And it's a lot of like North Selection Hotline, please hold. And like these women that look like they just came from singing in a bandstand in World War II are like plugging lines into a switchboard. Like how many child molesters are called? Everyone, everyone in the world in this movie is a kid touching pedophile. The the number I have it here actually is one nine hundred need kid. <laughs> just 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 by, dial it. By the way. This movie turns into Changeling. I'm much happier. He gets kidnapped and like some, you know, burn notice decides to <laughs> pretend it's, he's a different kid. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that movie. I want this movie to turn into a search for the Lindbergh baby. Because yeah. you know what? They found him and he was dead. <laughs> well, death isn't off the table in this movie. We'll get there. Uh, yeah. yeah. So okay. So let's he, let's let's go on our tour around the world. Mm-hmm. So for our first stop is Texas and. By the way, you know, for non-American listeners, you know the thing about Texas? Everything is supposedly bigger in Texas. Oh, is it? Yeah, so let's just oh keep my that God, in I mind. Oh, get those yeah. jokes. Yeah, so let's keep that in mind when we go to Texas. And we're picked up by fucking Dan Aykroyd and Reba McIntyre wearing, like, scuzzy... Uh, bedazzled. Like, bedazzled. Like leisure suits, kind of. But they're dressed like cowboys. It's like a, a dark, bright, uh, like a bright, deep blue, and she's wearing bright pink. It, it just looks scuzzy. It's kind of like what you would wear, like a, a toddlers and tiaras would wear, except yes. for, it's for adults. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. You're so right. It's they're so dressed, gross. They're dressed like child pageant stars. That's absolutely and, right. And I mean, you would imagine these people fucking live on some like gorgeous estate with like just like, you know, but in a neighborhood because it's Texas and you still sc- high school, high school football is a huge deal and all yeah, that sure. stuff. Except instead, they like live in the house from days of heaven. It's because what they they have to do because uh, much like children ap- appreciate uh, uh, ambulance chaser jokes, you know what else kids just eat 
up bite by bite by tasty bite. Hilarious jokes about the nighttime soap opera Dallas. <laughs> because <laughs> when oh, do you, you, hey, do you mean the, the show that ended five years before anyone who could enjoy this was born? <laughs> Is that what you're talking about? The very same program. Oh, great. Because it cuts and all of a sudden you start. Da, 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 da. And I'm like. The Dallas, the, oh, well, that's just stupid. And because, by the way, this is the thing, like, you can argue, well, they're trying to make stuff the adults will enjoy, too. But it's impossible for an adult to enjoy this movie. Nope. So you're just wasting all these jokes on kids that just have no fucking clue who shot JR. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, and speaking of which, that was all a dream, too. Oh, all right. Yeah. Put that out there. <laughs> just, Patrick Although, Duffy doesn't save this one, though. No, but then at the end of that show, like... Uh, JR met the devil and he like convinced him to commit suicide. Yeah, that's a real thing that happened. Here's a problem. And I don't usually, uh, call out people that fuck up on Jeopardy often, but yesterday. <laughs> the, oh man, you were about to crucify somebody. <laughs> the clue, it was like celebrities and their parents. And it was fucking Larry Hagman and his mother. And it's like, she was so proud of her baby boy. Name the actor. It's just a picture of Larry Hagman. All you Nothing. had to do was look at a picture of Larry Hagman and no one got it. Just say, hey, it's Larry Hagman. I think they would even forgive the question rule. I'd be like, oh, hey, it's Larry Hagman. You know what sucks is you would have to do a who was Larry Hagman. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's the tense. <laughs> that is the tense. The world. That's the America we're living in. That would be great then if they were like, who is Larry Hagman? And then Alex Trebek chimes in like, oh, I'm sorry. He's dead. There is a great uh, Tumblr called Mean Alex, and it's just, <laughs> it's every like quippy, bitchy thing Alex says to different Je- Jeopardy contestants. Pretty fantastic. And But you know what, to be fair, so those three people didn't get Larry Hagman. If all three of us were asked, yeah, who discovered the molecule? No, that's true, and I don't know who that reporter was, but it's Larry fucking Hagman! <laughs> he was on the Hollywood the, Institution! He was on two of the biggest television programs of the century! Fucking can't get Larry Hagman. So you would think, again, it's about, and you know where this thing's going is he's going to go to this one. You know, it's, it's, he's going to keep going until he realizes, oh my God, oh, I had a great home at home and I you had pretty, of course, yeah, pretty good parents. But they do, everyone is bad in this, the, the bad parents in this movie, you would think they're yell too much or like, you know, they're mean or they're, they're you know, they're, they're lazy. They're all weirdly bad. Yeah, they're just, just, weird. just strange bad parents. Again, because it's a thing where all the adults in this movie have weird things with kids, mm-hmm. except North's parents, right? So it's it's Dan Aykroyd and Reba, and they're like, oh, yeah, everything's bigger in Texas. Our house is big. Our car's big. And we're so rich. You think it's going to be like, oh, you know, the, the trouble of being a rich kid. Like, I get that. Like, I see, I see where this is going. It's like, I bought you the Houston Astros, and he's just doing subpar Saturday Night Live impressions in this one. He should be like in a sketch where he's selling someone a visibly shitty car. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like that's the voice he's putting on. And then you you know he starts dropping in the weird stuff and you know Reba's like, so what are y'all gonna do tomorrow? And he's like, well I thought we would eat and then we'd go to the rodeo and then eat some more and then we'll come back here and and then rope up some cows and then we'll eat them. And then Elijah Wood's like, what's with all the eating? And like the motivation for these people is it's not just that they want to fatten him up because everything bigger in Texas, right? That would be weird enough. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. That would be weird. You're like, wow, that's really weird. No, 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 no. They had a kid who was a big fat kid who was named Buck. 
and Buck got trampled to death in a fucking stampede. So not only do they want a fat kid, they're replacing another fat kid that they killed because he was fat. I want, I kind of imagine, uh, Dan Aykroyd standing over his dead son after the tra- the stampede <laughs> came and Jeremy Irons just shows up. He's like, Oh, they'll never understand this. You'll have to go and never come back. I was thinking more. Cheech Marin yells out, If you come back, we'll kill you. <laughs> hey, man. I was thinking more of Cheech. I love my dead fat son. <laughs> I love my dead fat son. And this is the point of the like I I've never I've walked out of one movie which was Mystery Man and I'm proud of that. But if I was in this theater because this happens, it's it, there's this weird clunker line about like and then our son died, so you're gonna be better than him. You're gonna be bigger and better. And then the servants come out and start singing a song. Oh yeah! I would. How are you not leaving the theater? Oh, oh, this is bullshit. Like I would actually like <laughs> make a scene, make a point about leaving, like grabbing my coat, like really putting it on. Yeah. Oh yeah! Like, this is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I can't even believe it. Excuse me. Excuse me. I I, I can't be in this theater anymore. I know. Shut. I'm leaving now. I'm. I, just enjoy the fucking bad movie, everybody. <laughs> it would just be. It would just be like a big. Like you turn around to a big. Fat fucking who's with me? <laughs> yeah, you have to. You are trying to recruit people to leave this theater. I'm gonna start singing so long, farewell, <laughs> oh, yeah. theater, saying goodbye. Hey, that guy in the back's more entertaining than this movie. <laughs> I mean, it's just outrageous. And at this point, I'm watching the movie and I'm like, okay, Rob Reiner's just like intentionally fucking with people, right? <laughs> like, you're making this movie to get people riled right up. You were. You're just trying to test how far you can push them, right? It's like a Lars von Trier thing. You yeah. just want to see where they're going to stop and say, that's too much, Lars. That's too much, Rob. I'm not going to listen to Dan Aykroyd sing about a fat dead kid. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I kind of want that. I uh, mean, exactly, though, right? It's like you're watching The Idiots, that movie where all the people pretend yep. to be mentally retarded. Like, it's the same thing. You're like, all right, you're really pushing my buttons now, Von Trier. You're really pushing my <laughs> yeah. buttons now. It's the same thing. Rob Reiner, provocateur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You just sit there like, well, Bjork can't get any more misfortune. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on, <laughs> Lars. That's just mean. Oh, man. So he's like, he's like, oh, song and dance number, huh? You want to fat me up, huh? Oh, you want to replace a dead kid with me? I'll leave you to fill the hole in your heart with something else. You know, he gets in the limo. But, I mean, at the end of every single one, because it's like a really bad, like, video game at this point. At the end of every level, Bruce Willis shows up. Oh, and, yeah. And he just kind of sums up all of the things. And, again, in a book, I'm okay with it because, like, it just it's one more page. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what, the, that's what that chapter was about. Because dog shit like that can happen in books. It's It's a much more forgiving medium when it comes to that. But the other thing is, like, you can have him come out, and in a book, you can just be like, and then this guy came out, yeah. and he said the shit, and whatever. But in, in, in a movie, you're, you're listening, and you're looking, mm-hmm. right? So then the whole the gag that they decide to come up with is, every time Bruce Willis comes out to tell him that the princess Ugh. is in another castle, <laughs> the gag is, one, he's uh, acclimated to the surroundings, right? So they're in Texas. He is playing a ranch hand. That works for Dan Aykroyd. And the gag, too, is 
he is not the guy from the furniture store. So yep. every time it's like he has no idea who North is. He's always dispensing the same line of advice, but yet has no memory of talking to this kid the day before. And he's a real person too, because Dan Aykroyd's like, oh hey, look out for you know Wild Henry over there. Like he's a, <laughs> it's another another pedophile in this movie, Wild Henry. There's so many kid touchers, man. Do you think like they show this at SVU training? It's like <laughs> here are all the stereotypes that you need to look out for. Every one of these people is a danger to this child. Now, do you mean actual cops that work with special victims or when you're about to become an actor on Special Victims Unit? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, they bring like uh, 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 like Dick Wolf comes out and he's like, <laughs> all right, Ice-T, you have to watch this movie now. <laughs> he puts it, man, that shit is terrible. Yeah, I think it's recruitment for and, the show. It's not the actual SV. I, I, it should just be like a Mr. Destiny thing. Like, he just shows up. Yes, and he exactly. Knows the he's, whole you, situation. you know he's magic, yeah, and we I just get, get over it, it, everybody. And this movie is filled with such high levels of horseshit as it is. Sure. Would one magical character help you out or <laughs> exactly. hurt you? Like,. Like, what would it matter? It's just going to be the same amount of shit. It's not going to make it better, and it's not going to make it worse. It's just still shit, but it's more logical shit. If he was a magic fairy, it's more logical than it's just another balding New Jerseyan that lives in all different parts of the world. <laughs> Some bored, balding New Jerseyan oh, that is barely trying. So North is a private plane, and he goes to Hawaii next. And... <sighs> oh. It's and just when you thought, by the way, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I had to get this warning out to everybody. Because just when you thought, you're like, wow, guys, this movie seems really terrible. But you know what it's missing? Horrendous racism. Well, get ready, everybody. This movie gets ignorant fast. It's just <laughs> like, you know, like everything's bigger in Texas is a really lazy stereotype, but it's against white people. And I'm OK with it. It's, like, it's Texas. Who gives a shit? Yeah. And it's just like whatever. You know, it's more about the region. It's not really about these people. But, oh, boy, here we go. We go to Hawaii. What island in Hawaii? Who cares? It's just Hawaii because this movie didn't even bother to fucking think that far. So we've got these two actors that are just John and June stereotype mm -hmm. with a big slice of fucking pineapple over both of their faces. <laughs> yeah, they're both a pig the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, he's in a Hawaiian shirt. She's in a lay the entire time. And it's just like a fucking coconut bra. Like, it's. Oh. And you know what's really annoying about this movie is he never goes to a middle class family. It's it's upper class or nothing for for North. Well, you know, if you can't afford to have the kids that you I have, mean, why are you trying to fly this I kid? Mean, yeah, out? I mean, if you have all these perverts fucking sending you letters to come and fucking <laughs> hang out in my house, you want the rich perverts at least. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna get molested at least have it be by a rich person. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're, you're gonna get some back. I would think then. <laughs> Some payments here. You're going to get a train with snow on it. So again, uh, he's super rich. He, he's like, oh, Hawaii, the weather's great. There's this line about like how the Hawaiian alphabet doesn't have any A, B, C, or Ds in it. So, or doesn't have any Fs in it, so you can't fail school, question mark. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what that... Well, they're, yeah, they're explaining like the Hawaiian language, and he's like, uh, you know, there's only so many consonants yeah. and this many vowels. Yeah, you're right. What I mean, I, that might be a true thing. I don't know much about the Hawaiian language at all, but like, I, stop. I mean, Just he, don't even put that in the movie. Hey, you know what, Andrew? You know what's great about you? What, what I like about you personally is yeah. you don't know much about Hawaii. You'd never put it in your movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I certainly would not. And you know what? He could have said that. And he, I, I, But the thing is, I can't think of anything but the punchline. <laughs> To this whole scenario. Oh, it's it's so creepy. It's the, one of the creepiest things <laughs> I've ever seen. And now here's the thing, by the way. This the, the one thing this movie is 
is not is cheap because Rob Reiner takes a film crew to Hawaii. Oh, Rob yeah, Reiner takes there. a film crew to Texas. We are filming on location. So we f- he flew 30 people to Hawaii to show Elijah Wood's ass. Steve, a budget of Bill Clinton, $40 million. <laughs> Imagine what all that can do, and it's all to watch a fucking cartoon interpretation of Elijah Wood's asshole. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. And But I'm sorry he doesn't call it an asshole. It's his crack all over the place. Crack, and he crack, crack, crack. So what happens is, you know, they're, they're the perfect family. He really likes Hawaii, and he's like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. I can't wait to live in Hawaii. And he's like, yeah, you know... uh, Part of, you know, because, because, you know, I'm the governor of Hawaii, I wanted to show, I wanted to use you in our ad campaign, which I guess the ad campaign should read, look, white kids come here too, but it actually reads, it's Elijah Wood in a copper tone spoof in a little bathing suit and a squid, a very nefarious squid (laughs) is. It's tentacle porn, everybody, in case yeah. you're wondering. Oh, yeah. It's going to slither right up in there. Slither up his leg and pull down his little little underwear, and it shows his <laughs> ass. And, you know, Elijah Wood is freaked the fuck out. He does very well in this scene, except for the fact that he has to say the word crack a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but he freaks out, and they see nothing wrong with it. And they're like, oh, what are you talking about? It's great. You're going to be like the poster child for the state of Hawaii. You know, and he is disgusted with it, rightfully so. I mean, this is kind of the closest he gets to being molested in this movie. Yeah. Is right here. And, you know, he kind of freaks out. And, you know, he kind of just runs away and he runs to the beach. And then we've got Bruce Willis dressed up as a beach bum with long blonde hair, just looking like complete shit. Once again. And it's funny because Bruce Willis also calls it his crack. He's like, oh, hey, you're the kid with the crack, right? Or something like that. Yeah, he's like, oh, I know you, you crack kid or whatever it is. And just, it's a, that's, I've never heard that before or since. Uh, no, that uh, a butt, not. just say butt or ass because it's the 90s and we could be a little it's crass. Only pertinent when talking to or about a plumber. <laughs> that's yeah. the only time an ass just becomes crack you're yeah. right you, plumbers don't have there's no butt cheeks there's no ass there's nothing crack. it's crack that's it it's and, crack by the way two things uh-huh. a hawaii needs more tourism <laughs> yeah what are you talking about we bought Where that state you? specifically for tourism and b it's one billboard in hawaii yeah, where the fuck? What? Where are you? Subway there? ad. What the fuck is wrong with you? Maybe it was just the test billboard. Although it is like but then animatronic. Why would you erect it like that? Because they wanted to make a big show for North. Yeah, it is animatronic. This squid's just like. <laughs> <laughs> it's just ew, and it's just it's disgusting. It's like an anime movie. <laughs> tentacle that, pornography, it's, Christopher. It's That's what they porn. call it. Yeah. That's what they call it over there. It's tentacle porn. That's when, when the bill comes on Steve's debit card. That's what it's called. <laughs> it's cheaper if you go for a site that puts its true name on your debit bill. You save a buck as opposed to the other one. Well, and you also you have to go for the year plan except for the month of month. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... You cannot cancel any time. Yeah. But why would you? 
So when you get burned out on Hawaii, you know, why not travel to the other non-continental part of the United States? Let's go up to Alaska and make fun of Inuits, everybody. Here we go. And by the way, yeah, sure, maybe we went to Hawaii and whatever, even though it is possible that we're on a beach in California. But either way, we're on location. When we get to Alaska, that is a soundstage. <laughs> Holy shit, is that a soundstage. Yeah. Busby Berkeley shot on this soundstage. You can stage. see the top of it in like two shots. It's the fakest fucking thing you've ever seen in your life and hawaii like these people are just kind of i mean there's yeah they're they're you know doing everything stereo stereotypically hawaiian but these people are doing everything racistly inuit oh like, yeah uh example one kathy bates as the wife in red face no. good job rob and <laughs> And the uh, Native American guy who is in Die Hard Three with a Vengeance is yes. the, is uh, the dad, which I'm like, all right, good. we're somewhere, we're we're on the dartboard at least, not <laughs> yeah. not wherever Kathy Bates is when you try and hit it. <laughs> and they live in a fucking igloo like they're chilly willy, and it's, it's just not like just an igloo. They live in a suburban looking laid out igloo neighborhood. It's like the Flintstones. Yes, it is. There's there's ice picket fences. Holy shit, have everybody. Have you ever just, let, you know, everyone's got racist relatives, you know? Like, have you ever at Christmas just heard them talk about stuff and be like, what the fuck are you even describing? That's what this <laughs> world is. Because it's just, it's got no resemblance to reality. Everyone lives in an igloo. They go ice fishing in their house. It's like it's that one uncle who's got problems with people he's never met and yep. will die without meeting. Yep. It's yep. that kind of like, yeah, they're big old igloo neighborhoods they live in. They're all ice fishing for dinner every night. I bet, bet their couch is made out of ice, too. <laughs> what the fuck are you even talking about, Uncle Wally? Oh, you know what I'm talking about. And you know they don't have cars, sleds everywhere. Oh, absolutely. There's sleds everywhere. Oh, and by the way, it's just a state that's so covered in snow and ice, they land in Anchorage, Alaska, and the plane skids to Juneau, Alaska, because how how impossibly hilarious can this get? I mean, I get it. I saw Nanook of the North, too. But this is just a little too much, buddy. <laughs> the, the state has gotten better. You know what? Stop it now. What is, I mean, what, what chip on your shoulder do you have, Rob Reiner or Alan Zweibel? Like, what, what did these people ever do to you? I... <sighs> That's one for the ages. It's it really, it's, it's really it's one for the ages. And this is the longest sequence in the movie. Like everything else, literally at the like North has two months to do this. By the end of the sequence, he's only got a week left because it's so hilarious. We've got so many of these jokes to make, and I'm gonna stay here all day until you, I make them all. Thankfully, Abe Vigoda shows up. Oh well, <laughs> I mean just just a little, I, and you can put that anywhere you want. Thankfully, Abe Vigoda shows up, and so they're they're all like getting they're they're. Uh, it's all like we're wearing fucking seal skin, this and that, and everything. And there's like bullshit that's just totally ignorant. Like it's Christmas 24, you know, 32 weeks a year because it's so cold out here. It's like, what? What? 
And that's the shit, though, that when they say, like, now you only have a week left north or whatever, they make something about, like, well, we're just so close to the North Pole that we have 36 hours of daylight here. So all this time passed north, and you didn't know it. Like, weeks went by, and you didn't even know it. But for some reason, you were able to stay awake for weeks on end without getting tired or drowsy or anything. The, the joke is, he makes it, oh, no wonder we stopped for lunch 32 times. I was like, oh, <laughs> Isn't that just busting your gut, guys? Oh, man. <laughs> really, Thank really you, funny. Rob That's Reiner. Good job, Rob. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Elijah Wood just spends so much time out here. He he keeps having these dreams about Martin Donovan dying, and he can't. He just can't get to sleep. And Robin Williams is making all sorts of phone calls. Hillary Swink's really worried about him. <laughs> so the gag is, which is, I had to look this up because it was so out of left field and so vicious that I needed to know. So Abe Vigoda comes down like, oh, it's Grandpa. Let's take Grandpa out. It's time for, it's, it turns into the giver all of a sudden. And it's just like, let's take Grandpa out. To the to the great to his great goodbye party or something like that. Like, yeah, what? And it's this thing where they're like, you know, in our culture, so old people don't get old and sickly and can't take care of themselves. We put them out on this ice block and kick them out to sea, and they die alone. It's this vague tradition that happened hundreds of years ago. Oh yeah, no, it's a real thing. Sure, but it's. Just as outdated as anything you can think of. Yep. And I mean, I'm usually, thank God, Richard Belzer, but now I'm, oh no, Richard Belzer. Oh, 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 oh. Speaking of SVU. Yeah. Speaking of slumming it. I mean, what are you even doing? Like, you know, I get it. Old time comedians. Sure. I'll be in your movie, Rob Reiner. Yeah. But Richard Belzer. You're Carl Reiner's son. I get it. Yeah. You're Carl's boy, ain't you? Yeah. (laughs) And here's the bells, and he's playing this guy who's, like, making sure all these old people are getting on the ice blocks and, like, keeping the line moving and whatever. And this brings me to a thing that I tried to find on the internet, and I feel like Rob Reiner has had it erased from existence. But... Child pornography record? (laughs) I wish... Uh, well, I'm no. just writing a book about my old, my own child molestation <laughs> that happened to me when I was. Oh, the old, the old Pete Townsend excuse. You think? <laughs> Who are you, pal? <laughs> no, the 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 Comedy Central roast of Rob Reiner, or maybe back then it was still the Friars Club was getting broadcast on Comedy Central when they did the Rob Reiner roast, and Belzer came out, and his bit was he read. The, the Roger Ebert review of yeah. the movie. And he, you know, the famous part of it is when he says hate like eight times in a row, whatever it is. And Belzer stops and says, this is from a guy who's seen 10,000 fucking movies. <laughs> One of the greatest jokes. And I just, I searched like Rob Reiner roast, like mm. YouTube. And then I was like, okay, it's not on YouTube. I get that. Mm. I checked on Hulu for like Comedy Central. Nothing. If you even search like the internet for Rob Reiner roast, it doesn't even come up. And I was like, I think this is the case for blaming on outer space. I don't know what is go- this conspiracy of covering up the Rob Reiner. Roast. Th- it's probably one of those things where you have to like go on eBay and some guy's got it like recorded on a like a VHS tape and it will make you a copy for twenty five dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to go on the House of Cards internet on that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got to go you, deep. You got to go deep web, baby. <laughs> 
Oh man. So so yeah, that's Belzer. And then poor Abe Vigoda is like, you know, I don't really want to do this, right? Like that's the whole again, I guess a joke, big fat question mark. He Abe Vigoda doesn't want to die. He sells it pretty well because he's just got that Abe Vigoda deadpan, which I just love so much. Yeah, and he's like, you know, oh hey, if this tradition changes in the next few days, feel free to come get me. I'd love to come back. And you know, then the adults are like, Oh, what did he say? Nothing. Let's go get lunch. And he's just like <laughs> Death. Oh, yeah. Oh man. Let's put him on this igloo and have a fish sandwich because we're <laughs> fucking not people. <laughs> we're just not people. Why would we have people feelings or people traditions? We are not people. By the way, at this point, it does. Uh, you know, it 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 it's good to mention that back in oh. Northville uh-huh. or wherever the town is, this little shit-eating brat reporter kid is now like. He becomes like precocious kid at the start, and then he slowly morphs into that uh, gangster villain from RoboCop Two, <laughs> the little kid who's controlling the crime wave, because yeah. he's building this empire where like the kids are literally like l- aligning themselves to take over the planet, like Children of the Corn style, and he's like putting Lovitz in line to be the president. Yeah, it's the stupidest shit you'll ever there's see. There's a fucking Citizen Kane scene. Oh, there certainly is because he's making a big speech, but he's using. This is what doesn't make any sense. Like he's still using North, like as the example yeah. of you know we should all divorce our parents or whatever. Even though North is actively seeking out new parents, yeah. and everybody yeah. knows this. It should be this kid's face. One, to match the parody of Citizen Kane accurately, but two, to not send any mixed messages what's, about what's going on, which is like these kids, they don't want to have any parents. They want to rule the roost. Yeah. And I guess, mm, I don't know, enslave adults. I mean, then it becomes a thing like uh, Logan's Run. Yeah. They're just going to start executing you. Also, you get too old. Also, President Lovitz. <laughs> yeah. You really right. think yes. that's happening? I'm listening. <laughs> 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 I mean, and honestly, the be- the worst part about this is, whatchamacall, is all the parents are kowtowing to the kids, like, oh my god, please don't run away, and they're, like, bending over backwards, like, you know, the, the, they're making, the kids are making them do their homework and shit, it's like, go leave, I double dare you, yeah. motherfucker, leave this house. Oh, yeah. And Where's I- that parent? Where's that mean parent? There's no mean parents in this movie. Well, apparently there's no military fathers at all <laughs> in this fucking town. Where's Not- Chris Cooper? Yeah. <laughs> Not for nothing. Where are the shitty parents that hit kids? <laughs> they're around. Like, I know they're around. Yeah. I'm not advocating their actions. I'm just saying, in the world of this movie, one kid says the wrong sentence the wrong way, and he's getting a knuckle sandwich. I just want to see one shot of an eight-year-old in his front lawn, like, cooking a can of beans over a fire. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I just one shot. At, just show me the other side of this. Not that every single one of them has, like, their parents doing their homework or, yeah. like, they're, like, sitting in beach chairs the whole time. And I don't even understand it. Like, everyone's acting like, oh, it's a good day, Anthony. Oh, it's a great day, yeah. isn't it, Anthony? What the fuck are they going to do to you? Yeah, that's Just a- shut this whole shit down. Don't all of you have to go to work to pay for this house? It makes no fucking rip, sense. Go, go into the TV room and rip the Nintendo out of the wall. If Oh, yeah. See what happens then. 
outlet be damned. You know what I mean? Like, really just rip it right out of the you wall. You don't need that outlet anymore because you're never going to plug a Nintendo into it again. Exactly. You might as well rip all the wiring out. Fucking hang it up in the tree in the backyard and pinata it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just in front of the kid. Make him watch it. And let everyone, let everyone in the neighborhood know this shit doesn't stand. Oh, and you know what else? While we're at it, we're going to take a big oil drum out in the backyard, fill it up with gasoline and wood, start a good fire, and start melting Ghostbuster toys. (laughs) One by one, dipping them in like Roger Rabbit. We're going to get rid of these fuckers. Well, first we're going to get rid of Donatello. Boop. (laughs) There's Leonardo. Boop. And here's Krang. Boop. Oh, you know what you could throw in there? All your Charmin, because guess what my guess what my new toilet paper is? All your X-Men comics. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Doesn't make any sense. And I don't know what does the movie give any kind of like nope. what it's, the kids have on them? It doesn't say what the kids have on them. It doesn't I mean, because again, it gets away with this dream logic kind of bullshit. Right. Like it's just escalating like a dream would. But everything else in the movie is kind of realistic, so it doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't, you know, how this kid, again, eventually this kid has an office in fake New York, which is really <laughs> something. It's it's just like soundstage New York City. Oh, yeah. Steve, he has the whole floor. He's got <laughs> he the sure whole does. floor. And he has arcade games throughout the place. So he's got an office and he's just running this thing and he's... Now North is starting to be like, oh, you know, I, you know, I just spent like literally two months with smelly Eskimos, so maybe <laughs> I want to go back and have white parents. And this kid can't stand it. He can't stand it. But you know what? I think it was like, okay, yeah, he's gonna have a really bad uh, experience in Alaska. Then we'll have him start thinking about coming back home. And then someone was like, hey, you know. I'm pretty sure there's not enough racism in this movie. So before we have him turn back to get into his parents, let's be horrific for another 25 minutes because we have a stop in China where all of a sudden he's fucking dressed up. God, he's dressed up like the last emperor, and (laughs) and like this whole town is bowing to him and all this shit. It's like communism hadn't existed there for the last 55 years. Oh yeah, and read a book, Mister Zweibel, and all of a sudden it's just here's all hail emperor north is what's going on and then they're like oh you know which uh which which stereotypical chinese kid haircut do you want and they hold up like a a a menu and he's like you know oh give him the emperor and it's the old uh i'm gonna shave everything but the one patch and the patch is a ponytail yeah a chow yun fat and crouching tiger correct and it's it's a lot oh you what what hasn't been in fashion for hundreds of years yeah that one yeah and it's just a it's just a thing where he's like not the, 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 that one and he leaves trying to and we're doing the fucking indiana jones airplane mm. animation all over the map thing right so we're in china that's horrendous but i can't have a bad haircut let's go to africa and see what's going on there we have to go Ace Ventura, when nature calls levels of racism yep. into this fucking jungle community where, like, he's delivered by some dude who's got him in a backpack who, like, rolls up to the village and we get a little bit of National Geographic going on because the woman who's, like, I guess the prospective mother, for some reason, this fucking town in Africa, this family wants to adopt this kid because they must have sent a letter to John Lovitz. That's the only way they're getting on the tour in the first place. <laughs> 
And she comes out of like the little hut that they have, and she's topless, and he's just staring at her breasts the whole time. And he makes some joke like, "Oh, I can't stay here. I wouldn't focus on my schoolwork. What are you gonna just jerk off in your hut?" Oh, North the movie. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what I want to imagine is a nine-year-old boy getting an erection. Thank you, Rob Reiner. That's hey, exactly good you. Good job, Rob. Hashtag good job, Rob. By the way. <laughs> The next stop is the lowest hanging fruit you could trip over, which is Jerry Lewis France jokes, which is just, you know, everyone's eating a baguette. I mean, it's not even worth going into, but it happens. And then finally, he goes to a beautiful white family run by John Ritter, and he's like a doctor in uh, Bedford, New York, and it's like uh, Faith Ford is the mother, and like she's like a, you know, a Donna Reed type, because that's where fucking women belong! Well, they're doing Leave It to Beaver. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's a Leave It to Beaver household. The young daughter, by the way, first on-screen appearance by Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. You got that going on. You and never see her face. No, oh, no, yeah, you, you do. She's, she's got do lines and everything. Oh, she's, got, yeah. she's got like two or three lines. Yeah. It's, I mean, best. it's nothing great, but it's okay. it's very weird because it's just like a little baby Scarlett Johansson, but you can still totally tell it's her, and it's like... Like, she doesn't have the smoky voice, so it's, like, her talking like a kid. It's really bizarre. But anyway, she's in the movie. Then some other little kid who never acted in anything again. And it's this thing where, like, this – and it, it, it makes sense in the, the scope of what I know this story to be by just reading the back of the box, which is he's going to meet, <laughs> quote, unquote, the perfect family, and it's just not going to be right for him. And it's that's, just not the same. It's not – oh, man, where's Jason Alexander and my mom? <laughs> John Ritter's got a natural full head of hair. This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and this is when uh, Winchell gets it in his head that, like, oh, you know – um. By the way, Jason Alexander and Julie Louis-Dreyfus become part of the Smithsonian exhibit because... my I just got a headache. Like, I, j- <laughs> I just... My head just cracked open when you reminded me there's more to this movie. And, you know, they... they you know, they're still in, in a coma and they're part of an exhibit and who gives a shit? They're putting them on display amongst, like, wax figures. Because it's like just- George Washington, Genghis Khan, North folks people (laughs) (laughs) and robert costanzo uh of he's joey tribbiani's dad he's also uh plays the voice of harvey bullock on batman the animated series everybody oh really yeah yeah hey commish yeah it's it's that guy yeah i I like this guy he's your stereotype your most Z-level, never been on The Sopranos, stereotypical Italian-American actor. You know what? Good for him for not getting on The Sopranos. Yeah. Yeah. You avoided it. Maybe or maybe not a conscious choice. (laughs) Maybe he did one on. But you know what? You're better for not being on The Sopranos. Sure. So, (laughs) for fuck's sake, they wake up, and this is when this movie gets really weird. Because this kid puts a hit on North. This is the tipping point. (laughs) So, he, uh, he does the old gag of like, okay... You know, uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus and Jason Alexander wake up. And he's like, "All right, I'll give them. I'll, I'll do an interview with them, and I'll edit it to look like they hate their kid, even though they love their kid so much. And they're on their hands and knees to get this little shit heel back." But, but by the way, the other thing is this kid, this evil genius kid, who's grooming John Lovitz for the presidency, also is really concerned about keeping up the North's folks exhibit. Yeah. And hires exact doubles of Julia Louis-Dreyfus and and Jason Alexander to stand in this box. So because the whole thing is like, well, what if we do? We what do we do if they wake up? 
you know, that's going to ruin the whole thing. It's going to queer the deal. And then he's like, oh, don't worry. I've got a plan because I'm a little mastermind. <laughs> and so they wake up and then Costanzo comes out and he's just got these two. It's just that. It's the actors. It's yeah. like Dave. Yeah. And they just look at each other and they're like, hey, say that's weird. And then these two actors who look like the parents resume the you know position of standing in this box. For who? Who could enjoy that? Why? What? What are we doing? It's not even like you make a joke out of it. They just go in. <laughs> That's it. It's, like you know what? You know what the joke is? By the way, the joke is they get in the box, and Jason Alexander turns to Julia Louis Dreyfus, and and then a dub over voice comes in, and it's like, "Well, it's a living, is it not?" <laughs> you know, and like that's the gag, and she's like, "Well, yes, I think it is," <laughs> and that's it. That's a joke. That's a, that's the worst joke I've ever told, but it's a joke in this movie. Also, and I under again, I understand. We'll get to exactly why this fantasy shit just doesn't work in this movie. But, okay, they've been passed out for months. Yeah, it's months. It's literally months. Why isn't that Smithsonian case full of piss and shit? Oh, yeah. And why doesn't it smell like when you open it? How does not Costanzo just fucking knock over dead? Just fall over. Fall over. Dead. Having showered. Just like looking into the eyes of Medusa. Like, yeah. (laughs) Costanzo turns to stone. <laughs> believable fantasy. <laughs> exactly right. And, you know, this, so he sends the, the tape to John Ritter's house. And, you know, it, Elijah Wood just isn't feeling it. And he's like, well, maybe I'll get my old parents back. And it's this poorly choply edited thing of like, we hate North. He is the worst. And it's like, <laughs> I get it. I get what we're doing here. So now he's got nowhere to go. But, like, he winds up in New York where his parents are anyway. And... This is when this movie gets really weird. He's like, well, the kid's like, oh, well, I guess North is in New York City now. A lot of things could happen to somebody in New York City. Yeah, this is a really dangerous town, Costanzo. And this guy, this this thug of his, who's got like six lines before this, is ready to kill this kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. To see now North by Northwest. It's insane. It's insane. He's chasing him through Central Park, firing a gun wildly. They get on a carousel in the park, and he's just throwing bullets at this kid. (laughs) And no cops are coming around. Nothing. You're like, that's kind of weird. And he chases him up. He chases him into Columbus Circle, which is a massively populated part of Manhattan. And he's just firing wildly (laughs) at this child. Which, by the way, like, I know you're a big fat guy, but you can catch up to this kid. Yeah. uh There's better ways to kill this kid than firing wildly. By the way, you're also a, you know, a a compensated child killer. (laughs) How do you not have a silencer on your pistol? Seriously. Yeah, exactly. Prep what, this shit. What the fuck are you doing? It's all Minkus's fault, man. He's too. He's doing too much. Yeah. He's trying to lead this kid revolution. He's trying to kill North. He's trying to make John Lovitz the president of the United States. He's got a lot going on. It's his own fucking fault. I get it. Ambition, but come on, kid. He's on level 12 of Terminator 2. You know, there's a lot of things going on. He's probably still running that newspaper. Because oh, once a newspaper man, always a newspaper man. <laughs> or some dumb shit that that character would probably say. So, uh... There's a truck full of borscht. <laughs> and, you know... I think that should have been the alternate title of this movie. <laughs> a truck full of borscht. And directed by Rob Reiner. He's firing at this... He's firing at it, and North jumps in, and then North's been wearing this hat 
that has an E on it, which I'm pretty sure Elijah would is like, hey, could you just put an E on that hat? I'm like, yeah, sure, kid. You're pretty good at this movie. <laughs> so, and it's got red shit all over it. And he's like, oh, I, I killed that kid. And he's like smiling and dancing in the street. Listen, in, 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 in situations where it's like the worst, scuzziest of mafia hitman, mm. any single time it comes up, you know, hey, Jimmy. I need you to kill this kid. There is always a moment of, oh, I yeah. got to do this. This is the job. Sometimes they go through with it. Mm. Sometimes they don't. But there's always that hesitation of like, fuck, the day has come. I have to take a child's life. This dude is just bebopping and <laughs> scatting down Columbus Avenue, just dancing, loving that he's holding a baseball cap that has this little kid's brains painted all over it. <laughs> So much so that he takes the hat as a trophy, which we find out later, which is the really weird part. It's almost like uh, John Savage in that SVU episode where he's smelling all those uh, baseball caps. Uh, <laughs> it's the, that show. I mean, that show goes over the line sometimes. It also gets the tone right. That's the skeeviest moment on that entire show's history. It's him just smelling the caps. Be like, Joey Fisher, 13, behind the bleachers. Just <laughs> reeling it off. Uh, just getting it all in. It's good till the last whiff, <laughs> there's, man. There's a scene in there where the stabler has to switch out notebooks because he fills one up. <laughs> <laughs> and oh. Benson's just throwing up. <laughs> Is he still doing it? Ew, ew, ew. Uh, Finn's got to order more Chinese food. <laughs> We're going to be here for a really long time. Is that child molester still smelling those hats? Get to bed. You better get some sleep. <laughs> so the hat goes up to Winchell's office and he figures out it's not blood. And by the way, this whole movie, this whole part of the movie, again, this is for kids, you know, let's go kid power. The main character kind of is dead for like six minutes you think this kid gets i mean like obviously you know what a movie is but if you're young enough you're like oh shit that kid just got clipped like yeah. you know like oh. like oh my god that just happened that could happen to me <laughs> i better behave never but, going on a carousel again <laughs> it's fucked up though because he's like yeah not is dead and they're like Long live the new flesh. And like John Lovitz comes out like da 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 Jack. And you're just like, oh my God. This is actually it's mad it's utter madness this movie's descending into. Right? And so everyone's Debbie Harry's on a TV somewhere, licking her lips. Ooh, that kid's dead. Oh, man. And so they're, like, celebrating that North is dead. And, like, now the wheels are in motion. Like, the kid revolution is on. Like, mm -hmm. here we go. Viva la kid. Right? And then, like, somehow someone spots North somewhere. At an airport. He's trying to get on a oh, plane. Oh, yes, that's right. To get back home. And, I mean, it's like if, you know, the rebels saw P like Pinochet's, like... <laughs> Secretary of State, they fucking want to string him up right there in oh, the yeah. middle of the airport. It's this really weird thing, though, where he's like, one, please. And uh, she's like, oh, I can't sell you this ticket. Uh, and, you know, he asks why. And she says, well, because you're dead. And there's like 
a newspaper headline that's like annoying kid murdered <laughs> thankfully and crowd she, cheers yeah and she's just like so i don't know maybe you're dead and, and it's this bullshit back and forth like again kind of just ripping off the marx brothers a little bit like you know or a, a fucking abbott and costello like you're dead no i'm not yes you are the newspaper said so how am i to believe it i don't know you just have to take my word for it well i don't know you you could be dead i can't believe a zombie and it's just going on and on and i'm just pulling out whatever hairs left on my head you know, but the good thing is I left during the Dan Aykroyd scene. I'm at home enjoying myself doing something else. <laughs> I'm actively trying to choke to death on popcorn in the movie theater. And these kids spot him. They, they just kind of rough him up, and he finally escapes, and he run, runs into a FedEx truck driven by none other than Bruce Willis. I don't want to lose that Bruce Willis is a lounge singer in New York City named Joey Fingers. Fingers. And, and he Fingers. Goes, Steve Fingers. He goes into Joey Fingers' dressing room and he gets set straight. All right. Oh yeah, straighten right out. He, you know, he has the tape. He, he gets he gets the the right copy of the tape. Who gives a shit? He's like, oh, I want to watch what my parents gave me. Hey, can I use your VCR? He's like, yeah, sure. Joey Fingers got a VCR. Yeah, let me you just wa- take this tape out. <laughs> you want to watch it? T- <laughs> hey, kid, you want to watch a tape with me? I got a bunch of tapes. I got so many tapes. Do you like movies? You know, I make my own movies. <laughs> Also, by the way, he North receives the actual like hard copy of this tape, mm-hmm. like the original cut, uh, because there's an in, a kid informant who is working for Winchell who decides he's going to turn on him because he he's always been loyal to North. Yeah. So this kid's playing deep throat, okay, and they're meeting in the park, and that's it's it's before the assassination yeah, attempt yeah, and yeah. everything, but it's just. I wanted to mention it because it's another point of kids pretending to be adults and it's precocious and disgusting and just adds to how dumb this movie is. You know what kids love, uh, aside from watching one of their own get shot in the back of their head? They love Woodward and Bernstein jokes. They, they do. really love References it. They get- to Arthur Penn movies? I got all of them when I was nine. <laughs> <laughs> well, because that's the thing, right? I mean... Kids these days, or those days in 1994, you're in the second grade. You know what you're doing? You're studying up on the Watergate scandal. (laughs) Every last piece of testimony, you are just reading up on it as a second grade kid. (sighs) All the President's Men was my favorite movie back then. (laughs) By the way, the other thing is... Speaking of when 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 Winchell finds out that North isn't dead, like he sees the the news report or whatever, and he's like, "Hey, uh, fat mobster, I thought you told me that you killed North." And he's like, "I did. I got the proof right here." And he takes this hat out of his pocket and does the whole like, "Look, I did it." And this kid, again, it's so blood boiling. He like sniffs it and he's like, "Well." Actually, this is borscht, a uh, common soup served cold with a little bit of sour cream on it, usually served in Russia. And he's doing this thing like he's just holier than everyone else on the set of this movie. And I just want to see him at the bottom of a river. It'd be great if, like, as he's saying that, we just we finally get inside one character's head, and it's Robert Costanza. It's like, I'll have those glasses by the end of the night, kid. <laughs> You're my next trophy. <laughs> Robert Costanzo, kid killer. Commish. He's just blowing kids away. 
Better movie. <laughs> Absolute better, better movie. movie. If all of a sudden he just goes on a killing spree, he gets, and he's like, that, oh, that's what you need, right? You need the adult rebel faction, right? Yeah. You need all the adults who are meeting after all the kids go to bed at 730 because mm-hmm. yep. they're still kids so we can make kid jokes like that. And they're like, oh, the kids are all asleep. We're going to uprise and we're going to kill them. And it's like, you know, we got to get rid of these kids. And one guy like loses it. And he's just like fucking trying to murder all these children. It's all Costanzo. And he's just like, he's taking down the mighty ducks. You oh, know? Yeah, yeah. They're all getting the bad news bears are getting burned at the stake. <laughs> the little giants dead. <laughs> and the fucking team from the big green, too. I think. Oh, the, oh yeah. The, they're the, all gone. The freckle, the fucking sandlots getting it. That's for sure. Oh, the sandlot drawn and quartered. Every last one of them. You know, so finally he gets back home. Like, Bruce Willis FedExes him, his, him home. There's a lot of bad product placement in this movie. None worse than this, where it's like, if it's got to be, if it's got to be there, it's got to be FedEx. And Bruce Willis is like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and just, you know, like, it's just spouting off FedEx corporate lingo. But again, in weird, like, molesting kids and killing kids and child sex trafficking... He can't just give North a ride to this house. He's got to tape him up in a box. <laughs> He's like, yeah, North, you'll fit in this box. It's fine. You just got to put your knees into your chest a little bit. And then seven hours later, you'll be home. Why? Why are you putting him in a box? It's so it's so creepy and weird. But anyway, he gets delivered. There's another guy who's dropping him off or whatever. And, you know, he has a, a standoff with Minkus or Pinkus or whatever the fuck, and he slams him against the wall, and I'm like, hey, this is getting good. Oh, yeah, if it turned into a little kid fight to oh, the death. man, I want a little kid fight. Like, <laughs> It was just the year before he did The Good Son. You know how to fight kids. Do it. You've got your eyes set on a C-plus there, movie. <laughs> got your eyes dead set on a C-plus. Oh, yeah. It's a kitchen. It could be like a Kill Bill fight. You yeah. know what oh, I mean? Oh, my like, God, a good old-fashioned kitchen knife fight. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. The terrors of domestic living. <laughs> exactly. Just you're hitting somebody's head with a with the refrigerator. <laughs> oh, man, would that be great. <laughs> or, wait, what is it a Bourne movie? What's the movie where someone accidentally falls on the open dishwasher with knives up? Oh, that's, no, that's something. It That's some movie. That sounds more like a Final Destination thing. <laughs> if there's a fight in the kitchen and somebody gets pushed onto a fucking open dishwasher drawer... Oh, look out. That's a way to go in the kitchen. I'd love to see Minkus do that. Why not? I guess actually it probably would have to be because like everybody in Final Destination is always getting like smashed by things and <laughs> smushed. There's a lot of smushing in that franchise. It's always this happens, that happens, and then they burn alive. Like there's... <laughs> I just remember the one, the one that always sticks out in my memory is the, like there's a pane of glass like above, like just be hanging above this kid, and it just goes, and he is nothing. Oh uh, yeah, it's a good. That's a good franchise. That is <laughs> yeah. just, and uh, you know, like Alan Arkin's rules that he had, where at, if not on noon by Labor Day, if he's not in his parents' arms or in the arms of an adult in a bunny costume, he's he's going to the orphanage where no kid wants to go, and it's an invalid life for a child. I think the punishment should be he's put to death, yeah. <laughs> right? Because it's like, okay, North, you want to strike out on your own? You want to try to do this? Oh, what's that? You messed up? Well, you had your chance. You made your big decision. Like the Valkyrie conspirators. <laughs> Just tie him to a fucking post and be done with it. Oh, yeah. Every last one of them, dude. Yeah. So it's just a bullshit. 
and this is this is what's total bullshit about the whole thing, right? So here's this little Minkus, and he's 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 all ready to induct John Lovitz as president of the United States. We're ready to have the inauguration. It's a new day in world history. Kids are going to rule because kids rule. Yay! It's going to happen, right? And then he goes, by the way, you might not make it to the mall in time because that's where your parents are. Why? Why, even why would you do why? that? Just sit there. Just start oh, no. just looking at your watch. You know why he does it? Because he wants North to be a martyr, and that's what's going to happen. Oh, oh, right, because by the way, everybody... In case you didn't Costanzo's know, Costanzo's still in play, by the way. <laughs> because when when a little kid puts a hit out on you, <laughs> that hit is on till that hit is not on anymore. <laughs> the contract needs to be completed. So he's got to run to the mall in six minutes, which of course he does because that's the kind of setup we and have. And we go through all the stuff that we saw before the way, the, 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 the treehouse, blah blah blah. He's got to get to Raymore and Flanagan is where he's got to get to because that fucking Labor Day sale's going on, man. <laughs> you can't, dude. There's no financing for for eight months. Raymore. And Flanagan. <laughs> and Alan Arkin is like holding court on a leather couch. And like, I think he must split his time between the court and as the manager of Raymore <laughs> He probably Flanagan. is. Probably. The kangaroo court and the manager at Raymore Ray, Ray and Flanagan. So he runs to the mall and it's just a big bullshit. Like, they see him coming and Alan Arkin's like, well, it's coming down to the wire. And they all, they, they run and you know, Jason Alexander and Julia Louis Dreyfus are running for Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood's running for them. And then sitting in, in North's favorite Barca lounger is Robert Costanzo. And as soon as North runs past him, this fat bastard stands up and shoots him in the spine. It is something. I mean, like, you don't see the connection. No. But it's just, it's kid running, Costanzo. Hey Oswald, Blam Town, baby! Wow, oh yeah, just you're finally killing kids. And of course, at that moment, he wakes up, but not before uh, Costanza goes. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. <laughs> so then he wakes up, and he's he's fallen asleep in the Raymore and Flanagan, and the stores clo- the lights are off, the malls closed. And for some reason, unemployed BW is there. Yeah, yeah, he's just back. He's done being the bunny for the day. And he's like, uh, hey, kid, the mall's closing. And you're like, now listen, manager of the Raymore and Flanagan, what are you doing? You let this kid sleep all day? All day? He slept till closing time. And then you closed the store you're, with this child inside? You're, you're getting... Fired. I think what the thing is, right, is that this dude, this manager, this unseen manager of this store, sees what's going on and doesn't make any sudden movements. And he just ran out real quick to get some wine coolers. And he was about to be right back <laughs> to wake North up and yeah. ask North what all his problems are. Have a little party. Why then not? that fucking Easter bunny from upstairs came in and ruined the whole thing. <laughs> Nosy Easter bunny. <laughs> So Bruce Willis gives him a ride home, and it's By all... By the way, you should always, always, always accept rides from strangers. Absolutely. Yeah. Always, every single time, 100%. Especially at night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do not call your parents who are looking for you. Nope. Definitely just get in the car with somebody you don't know. Yeah. But he knows him so well because he's been in his dreams, Steve. And he gave him a carrot. He did give him a carrot. And this is where the movie kind of, like, obviously, like, the who gives a shit about me watching a dream thing... Nobody does because who cares? Nope. But 
he goes in his pocket, and like at one point, Bruce Willis gives him a specific coin that he shoots with a with a bullet, and he's still got in his pocket. And he's like, "You don't think what? What don't I think? What? What was what did it? that what? mean? Where did he get that from? So what? did he get shot in the back? Is that what happened? <laughs> he got shot in the back, and then was resurrected, and you know, Bruce Willis brought home. It's one of those bullshit things where like you're making it even more bullshit by doing that. Yes, you're just right. Confusing it's, thing. It's bullshit and it's disrespectful to your audience that has sat through this movie until this point and hasn't left or choked to death on popcorn intentionally. Right? They sat through the whole thing and you're like, it was just a dream. Whoops, gotcha. And you're like, oh man, that's really upsetting. And then he pulls that coin out and you're just rubbing my face in it because then it's like. Or was it? Or was it what? It's impossible. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Was There's he accepted? Nothing. Like, what happened? Yeah. What? Like, what do you even... I think this whole thing is just a cover-up of one of the biggest child molestation scandals this world has ever not heard of. <laughs> and it's that, that one coin was the key to the whole thing. Oh, somebody took him into, like, the... The the photo booth place and like they dressed up like Dan Aykroyd, they dressed yeah. up like an Eskimo. Oh, oh yeah, and it's all them. It's all these different people just coming through this this Olin Mills photo studio, <laughs> the Sears portrait studio. You know what I mean? And he's just got all these hazy memories of all this dress up that he's been playing. Well, no, it's probably it, it, calling back to True Detective. It's probably like what happened on the tape. <laughs> Woody that Dan Aykroyd's there in a fucking tiger mask. <laughs> Robert McIntyre's got the sheep mask on. Woody, Woody Harrelson can't keep his Lone Star down. <laughs> Man, the greatest thing to come from that tape on that show is when they make that fat sheriff watch it. Oh, yeah. And it's the awesome. It's it's like comical the way they do it, which is not good for what they're trying to do. Yeah. But they cut to a, a wide shot <laughs> yeah. and the Pan boat out. the boat is like way <laughs> in the background of this shot, and you just hear, No! <laughs> it is so it's so unintentionally the funniest <laughs> moment on that show. Oh, it's great. So they run out, and they're like, oh, North, you're not dead or molested. Well, maybe the second one, but you're home now. It doesn't matter. Forget it. And, you know, it's all the, oh, my God, we missed you so much. We were looking all over. He's like, oh, really? You care? And he's like, yeah. They're like, yeah, we had a bad day yesterday. What do you want from me? I'm an adult. <laughs> I got good days and bad days. Yeah. And he's like, oh, that's all it was? Oh. You well, know what, all right. Remember how I didn't drink too much and hit you? You're welcome. <laughs> remember how uh, you don't sleep outside by a dumpster? You're welcome. Oh, it was tax day? <laughs> oh, that's it. Okay. All right. Yeah, so you're fine. They were just stressed out because they were paying taxes. Ah, and I mean, they take him upstairs and like, you know what, North? We're really sorry about all this. It's never going to happen Ugh. again. They've, they put him in a bedroom that's bigger than any apartment I've ever owned. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's ridiculous, too, because apparently... From the time they, they went inside to when they're upstairs, he's told them everything about this dream. And you can see, like, the two of them are almost, like, like really heartbroken. Like, really? You, you dreamt that we did that to you? And we were that horrible? That's, that's, that's what you think of us, North? Ah, all right. Well, guess I'll, uh, I'll turn off this wing of your bedroom. Uh, <laughs> I'll leave the $80,000 nightlight on for you in case you got to get up and go to your all-marble bathroom. Oh, should I leave your uh, $70,000 train set running, or do you want it closed? Yeah. Because it actually <laughs> it, it, it costs just as much either way. Okay, all right, it's, it's your call. I know it soothes you to sleep and all, but, um, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. 
And then the, the second they walk out of the room, you know, he's like, I love you guys or something like that. And they've already walked out of earshot and they just start bickering again. And he's like, oh, no, it's happening. No, you know what? They're all right in my book. Credits. It'd be great if they went the other way. It's like, you know, they're bickering. And he's like, my parents. And he hears something in a closet. What the fuck? And he just kind of gets up and he's like, maybe is it like Bruce Willis? Is it like... Alan Arkin, and he opens the door, and it's Robert Costanzo, and he just <laughs> chokes him to death. I, no, oh, that would be awesome. He opens the closet door and walks through, and it's an empty room, and he walks in, and it's like Joe Pesci and Goodfellas. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> he just blows his brains out. Oh, Costanzo always gets his man. <laughs> There's no comeuppance with, like, John Lovitz or the kid or because anything. Because it was a fantasy. Yeah, like, you know, it doesn't even matter. That's why these these dream endings are just such fucking horseshit because you don't have to account for anything once you reveal that, you know? Like it it's possible that John Lovitz in this world like doesn't even exist. Isn't it more interesting if it's real? I mean not interesting with a capital I, but with a lowercase I that you have to change the fuck Of course to read. it is. And I'll tell you, as someone who watched the movie for the first time last night, I was not paying attention the zone out shot that yeah. you were talking about. I missed that. So I didn't register oh, yeah. I didn't register that it's a dream until the end when they they spell it out for you and everything. And I was even more upset because yeah. when you're watching it you're like, "Okay, the least you can say about this movie is if he's intentionally making this movie this batshit crazy." Sure. Then there's something to be said for it. You're yeah. doing something. You created this madcap world it's where kids world. almost take over everything. It's you created a world. Period. You created yep. a world. That's and, and that's something a filmmaker has to do for a successful movie. Yeah. But and this goes back to what I was talking about about fantasy. Just because you've made a fantasy does not give you carte blanche to say fuck it to everything yeah you exactly. do not get to do that exactly you have, to have some kind of center to it and that's what wes anderson always has mm-hmm. a center to everything that happens this is just like fuck it whatever kids i don't know divorce the parents who gives a shit <laughs> uh, it's a dream so it doesn't even matter who cares yeah, yeah. i'm like the, i'm a box office titan guys i don't even give a fuck what you know, like, <laughs> really like there's a there's a possibility that people in your audience are invested in whether or not minkus succeeds yeah you sure. know whether or not john lovitz actually becomes president of the united states and you're you're just you're you're disrespecting those people who might be interested in your movie it's a it's a 96 minute gotcha yeah that's all it is Oof. would anybody recommend north uh no i wouldn't uh but i would recommend the lowest point of john lovitz's career which is right now uh it's on syndication and it's called mr box office he plays <laughs> bill bellamy's agent where who, bill bellamy <laughs> is a hollywood star sentenced to be a teacher at an inner city school holy shit <laughs> it's not a joke and he it's the worst it's like unwatchable anti-comedy <laughs> it's 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 it's, it's it's uh, Welcome Back, Cotter, directed by Lars von Trier. It's just bizarre. <laughs> is it intentional, like Norm Macdonald anti-comedy? No, or no, it's no, no. Just bad. It's just it's like lowest common denominator. Let's let's just give him something to watch. Oh it's, man! But no, this movie is wretched. I mean, see Roger Ebert's review. Yeah, talk to me. Whatever you do, do not watch this movie. Uh, but do read his review. His review gives you <laughs> everything you need. And I mean, it is just a a, a very because. A review like that, you imagine, like in your head, before you read it, you're like, oh my God, that thing must be long and it just needs to be a diatribe of how much he hates every piece of it. It's a very concise piece of writing and it just is like, 
no, there's nothing here. And there's nothing here for you to enjoy. What's great about the review and probably the best part of it, you know, it's not the hilarious parts where he's saying hate over and over again. It's the fact that he acknowledges that Rob Reiner is, in fact, an incredibly talented guy, mm-hmm. an incredibly talented director who's made great movies. And this is just a confusing as all get out misstep in what's been an otherwise pretty great career. After this, it's down. It's a downward spiral. Like everything he's made since this has been, you know, not as bad as this. Yeah. But certainly not as good as even his like mid-level stuff. Yeah. I I mean, I'm not going to recommend this movie, although I'll say if you're curious, it's at least a fast 96 minutes. Yeah, it it gets, it's done. It's shorter than Star Wars. It's shorter than Star Wars. So yeah, that's now the new, thank you, Steve, because this is now the new famous we hate movies gauge. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a really good, you know, gauge of, uh, movie temperature. I'm just your time, really. Just like, <laughs> do I want to watch Star Wars or do I want to watch Star Wars? Exactly. And so, yeah, I mean, it goes by fast. It's kind of an odd curiosity. Like, I'm yeah. not going to flat out say don't see it. I'm not going to recommend it, but I'm not going to hold you to the fire if, if you say you want to do it. I'm not going to bust your ass about it. I will say, the best work Rob Reiner's done in the last however many years is his uh, one, him and Wolf of Wall Street is fantastic. fantastic. Oh, with that equalizer scene. Oh, God, oh. it's great. That and also he plays uh, Zoe Deschanel's dad on uh, New Girl, oh. and he's absolutely hilarious well, in, in that show. Yeah, don't, don't confuse it. Uh, I'm just talking about him as a director mm-hmm. and as a writer. Right, right, right. As a performer, he's always been top marks. He's, yeah, always, yeah. he's always classed a lot of stuff up. Mm-hmm. And I'll also say, go see Grand Piano with, with Elijah Wood. It's really good. Totally like nail-biting good time. Uh, also with hilarious John Cusack hamming up the joint. <laughs> so there's always that to look forward to. How did how did you not get either Cusack in this movie? I feel like this is this is as uh, Joan Cusack well, written all over it. This North Rita Wilson has a throwaway part. Why isn't Joan Cusack just another one of the parents? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of those. We- I mean, Bryn Hartman uh, just yeah. in this movie for no reason. It just eh. everybody just wanted a piece of North. They, well, I mean, it's Rob Reiner and you know Elijah Wood, catch a rising star. Let's get. This is box yeah. office gold, baby. It's, it's Rob Reiner, and it's. I'm sure he sold it as a fantasy to everybody, and everybody's like, oh, man, The Princess Bride's great. I, <laughs> I love <Yeah>. that movie. <laughs> he knows his stuff. Yeah, let's do this. Uh, then, oh, the script came to my door. Oh, my God. <laughs> Am I committed? Oh, my God, I'm committed. <laughs> That'll teach you to sign first read later. Mm-hmm. That's, why, that's why Bruce Willis's narration is just like, I can't believe. How did I do and North went to, come on, guys. How did I fucking sign this? <laughs> come on. This is bullshit. Put ESP. No, I want ESPN on while I read this. <laughs> don't, don't mute it. I do not. I held up Die Hard 3 for this. <laughs> really? Okay. Well, that Native American guy's cool. Maybe he could be in that movie. All right. That's, that's at least yeah, something. Gary's a nice guy. Gary's pretty nice. <laughs> That's North from 1994, directed by Rob Reiner. Good job, Rob. If you want to get a hold of us and find out more information about We Hate Movies, check out our website, whmpodcast.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We are at whmpodcast. Right into the mailbag, weallhatemovies at gmail.com. I want to know how many of you saw this in the theater. We all hate movies at gmail.com. Subscribe to this show and our sister program, Blame It on Outer Space, in iTunes. If you get a chance, rate and review there. Both shows are also on the Stitcher app. 
Download Stitcher Radio and you can stream the five most recent episodes of each show on the go. Clue for next week's episode, Chris Cabin. Um, it's uh, the return of Mr. Joe Don Baker. Ooh, that is some hot, juicy news right there. Joe Don Baker is the clue for next week. So until then, I'm Andrew Jupin. Steven Zeta. Chris Cabin. Take it easy. <laughs> <laughs>